Sefer Devarim, Parshat Vezot Habracha, on intergenerational wisdom. This week, we complete the book of Deuteronomy and the entire Torah with Parshat Vezot Habracha, which means, and this is the blessing. The Parsha begins with the blessing that Moshe gives to the Israelites before he dies. Part of its ending goes, the ancient God is a refuge, support are the arms everlasting. Thus Israel dwells in safety, untroubled is Jacob's abode, in a land of grain and wine, under heaven's dripping dew. O happy Israel, who is like you, a people delivered by the Lord. Five verses later, Moshe, 120 years old, dies in the land of Moab without getting to enter the promised land. Given all that Moshe has achieved for his people, from the exodus to the receiving of the Torah to getting the Israelites through the desert, this loss can feel like a tragedy. And the people of the Torah agreed. In Deuteronomy it says, And the Israelites bewailed Moses, the steps of Moab, for 30 days. One verse later, though, we are reminded that God had a plan in place for when this was to happen. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands upon him and the Israelites heeded him, doing as the Lord had commanded Moses. Never again <clears throat> did there arise in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord singled out face to face. This reminder that there's never been a prophet in Israel like Moses is affirmed in Maimonides' 13 principles of faith. He was the father of all prophets, of those who preceded him and of those who followed him. And yet the Jewish people were tasked with carrying on. And Joshua became Moshe's immediate successor. This laying of Moshe's hands on Joshua, which took place back in the book of Numbers, shows us that Joshua's wisdom was a product of his relationship to Moshe. A saying is mentioned in the Talmud in Tractate Bava Kama. While the wine belongs to its owner, the gratitude is given to the one who pours it. If you were at a dinner party, for example, and a person poured you a glass of wine, you would thank the person who poured it for you, even if they did not themselves bring the wine. Here in the Talmud, it is explained that so too, although the prophetic spirit belonged to God, Joshua had Moses to thank for giving it to him. Today, we tend to value the idea of being an independent thinker, someone with all original ideas of our own. But through the example of Joshua, we learn that the power of humility in accepting mentorship. It is because of Joshua's loyalty to his teacher and his commitment to being a link in the chain of his people's continuity that he is imbued with wisdom. Pirkei Avot introduces Jewish ethics as transmitted within a succession paradigm of teachers and students. 
As the Jews were completing the events of the Torah and entering a new land, this would have been a reasonable time for a leader to seek to move beyond the past, even to put down the previous generation, whose experience involves slavery and homelessness, not being the bold warriors the Israelites were to become. Instead, Joshua's generation has gratitude for Moshe's and consequently inherits its wisdom. In our time, we can all too easily look at previous generations and dismiss them as unevolved fools. We should seek to, like Joshua, have the humility to recognize where our knowledge comes from. And still we must learn from and progress past the failing of past leaders as we participate in the unfolding of moral revelation. Yes, we can embrace the power of progress. In addition to innovation, though, we can learn from our tradition the concept of Yerida Tadorot, the decline of the generations, that there is a likely and perhaps inevitable spiritual and moral downturn as we get further and further from the experience of Har Sinai. Knowing this, we are to cling to the wisdom of our elders. In Pirkei Avot, a different Joshua, Joshua ben Prachia, is credited with teaching, appoint yourself a teacher, and find yourself a friend. We can learn that those with seniority aren't enemies. Rather, the people we can learn from are on our side, and we should be on theirs. Jewish activists, educators, and community members can do great things, not only due to their talent and efforts, but also when they learn how to submit to a master guide, remain in dialogue with previous generations, and strive to represent something greater than themselves. In closing the Torah with this teaching about intergenerational wisdom, the Torah tells us that we're not simply witnessing a historic moment. We are being invited to receive timeless wisdom that will teach as how to live. That wisdom is not static. It has grown and grown for thousands of years, but each generation's wisdom must be grounded in the previous ones. A Talmudic tale describes Moshe asking God why the letters of the Torah included decorative crowns. God answers that after many generations, Rabbi Akiva will be able to derive meaning from them. God then helps Moshe time travel to Rabbi Akiva's Beit Midrash, where Moshe is unable to follow his new teachings. This disheartens Moshe. But then when Rabbi Akiva is asked where this new knowledge came from, he responds from Moses at Sinai. New knowledge can come about, but only when it is rooted in the old. Like Rabbi Akiva, we can innovate and have new insights, but we should have the humility to see our creativity rooted in what we've received from the past. In Jewish tradition, upon completing a book of the Torah, we say the words, Chazak, Chazak, Venit Chazik. Let us be strong, let us be strong, and let us strengthen others as well. This is because when the Hebrew Bible continues with the book of Joshua, God uses that word chazak in telling Joshua, but you must be very strong and resolute to observe faithfully all the teaching that my servant Moses enjoined upon you. My hope, friends, is that in studying Torah together, 
we can be strengthened ourselves, we can strengthen one another, and we can learn from the wisdom of many, many previous generations. Shabbat Shalom and Chag Sameach.